morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us online. So glad uh, to be here to talk about this epidemic that we're talking about. Now, you know, um, as you've just probably gathered, we're talking about the epidemic of loneliness. Let me hear you say loneliness. Loneliness. That was good. So, so I want to talk to you today about what is the big deal, right? What is the big deal? Does, does loneliness really feel like it's an epidemic. And so just to kind of kick us off, I want to give you some of the, some of the symptoms, some of the effects of loneliness in, this, in our lives. So the effect of loneliness has more adverse effects than smoking 15 cigarettes a day, right? I only try to smoke 14, but more than 15 a day. It causes you to wear a mask, to isolate from people and to self-quarantine. It raises the level of anxiety in your life exponentially as well as the level of depression. It causes insomnia. It raises your blood pressure more than a meal at the varsity. Come on. It increases your likelihood of a stroke as well as heart disease. It causes weight gain. Anybody, anybody have a New Year's resolution to lose some weight? Let's go, right? You need some friends. That's what you need. That will fix it. It contributes to chronic pain in many of its victims. It registers in your brain as physical pain. It increases your risk of an early death by 30%. 30%. It was first discovered in 1800. Before 1800, the word loneliness wasn't even a word. It happened in, in 18, relatively new on the scale of history. And it has doubled since the 1980s. Doubled. Now, 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 if you find a vaccination for this, it can lead to better sleep, less anxiety, of course, lower blood pressure, quicker healing to all illnesses, stronger immunity, lower stress, improved self-confidence, increased happiness, better overall health. Three out of five people experience this disease, which is why it's an epidemic, the epidemic of loneliness. Now, loneliness is just this, this feeling like you're forgotten, this feeling like you're on your own. You ever felt like I'm on my own and there's nobody to help me? I don't know how this is going to work out. I feel that way every time I start a home improvement project, just so you know. But we have this feeling like maybe we've been deserted. Maybe we're isolated. Maybe we're left out. We didn't get included. And it's this feeling of loneliness that happens. And, and, and one of the things you, you'll know that is when prisoners need to be punished, people who are already being punished and they need to get punished, what do they do? They put them in solitary confinement so they'll be even more lonely. How many of you guys have seen Shawshank Redemption? One of the great movies of all time, one of the great movies that Stephen King wrote. Love the story, but you may remember just the Cliff Notes version. Andy Dufresne finds, finds himself in prison, uh, played by Tim Robbins. Andy finds himself in prison for crimes I won't mention, but Andy locks himself in the warden's office and he plays classical music over the loudspeaker for the entire prison. And they try to get in, but he's locked himself in. And finally they get him in because this is against the rules. And so to punish him, they put him in solitary confinement. That's what they do. How, how many of you guys have ever been to Alcatraz in San Francisco? Yeah, just a fascinating place where they have, they imprisoned the most heinous criminals. I mean, Al Capone was at Alcatraz and it's on an island that's deserted and isolated already. But when they got in trouble, they would throw them into solitary confinement. And, and I was able to go into that cell and they closed the door behind me. And let me tell you what, it's so dark. You can't see your hand in front of your face. 
And they would say that prisoners, one of the, a couple of the prisoners that were there, they would rip a button off of their shirt, throw it across the room and they get on their hands and knees to try to find it just to keep their mind occupied, just to keep them going so that they wouldn't go crazy. And this is a little bit of what it's like to be lonely, isn't it? You feel dark. You feel like the world's caving in on you. You feel like you're not going to make it. You feel like, like what's the use? And you just began to give up. And, but we've all noticed, we've all experienced the opposite of that. Like anybody in here just experienced the encouragement of good friends, right? Man, just having friends in your life, maybe when you were a kid, maybe it was when, you know, you got to college or an adult, maybe it was a coach or a teacher or just somebody who came alongside you to wrap you up. Like who can tell the value of a text message from someone that you get out of the blue, you weren't expecting it just to encourage you, say, thinking about you today, praying for you. It's like I won the lottery when that happens, you know? I mean, it's mega millions, by the way. Somebody should enter that and get that because you could help us. But anyway, another story. So we want to talk about like, what's the big deal? Why is it that we're that way? Why do we have this intuitive understanding that relationships are important? And when we get to the end of our life, it's going to be the relationships. And why is it that way? And could it be that the primary goal of 2021 that we should have, could it be the primary resolution we should make should come in the area of our relationships? That that's what could make us better, that that's what could deliver the life that we're looking for. What if that could be it? So let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 2 today. Genesis chapter 2. You'll notice a card there in your, in your seat. I'd love for you to take some notes. I'm going to throw out a few questions for you to write down. And I'm going to say some amazing things today, so you're going to be sure you write them down. Um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Anytime you want to understand the world, Anytime you want to understand why things are the way that they are, you understand the why behind the way, Genesis is the place to go, okay? That's where the world was created. That's where it all began. And so as we come upon our part of the story today, God has created the world. He's created the earth. He's created the heavens. You know, everything that he has created. And he's come down to, he has created Adam. And Adam has a great job. Like he is naming the animals. He's busy. He's got purpose, it seemed like. But watch what happens in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Now, some of you wives are saying, uh, of course it's not. Um, my wife's actually out of town and no telling what she'll find when she comes home. I'll clean it up, I promise, Debbie. But, and then he, then he goes on to say this, I will make him a helper fit for him. I will make him a helper fit for him. It is not good that the man should be alone. Now, now this idea of being alone here, it's not that he's just by himself, which he is, but there's more to it than that. It means that there's something missing. It means that he is lost, that there's something going on and it's not good for him to be alone. Now, we all need times when we're by ourselves. We, we need times, it's good for us to spend some time by ourselves. That's how you learn to know God better. I think one of the things that man, when it comes to raising children that, that's difficult now is that they're never by themselves. They never learn how to be bored. They're always in front of a screen. They always have an activity. And so it's not bad necessarily to be by yourself. Now, sometimes we avoid being by ourselves because of the hard thoughts that we have to make and the hard thinking we have to do about our lives. And we want to avoid that. But sometimes it's good to be by yourself. It's good to be an individual, but it's never good to be isolated. It's never good to be isolated. While we're created sometimes to be by ourselves, the implication here is not that he's just by himself, but that he is lonely. There's something about his life that is lost, that is not working, that's incomplete. Now, 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 even though he created Adam as an individual, he doesn't want him to live in isolation. And, and this is the first thing that God says is not good. Now, he's created everything and said it was good. And this is the first thing that he says is not good. Now, now think about Adam here. He's got everything. He's got the perfect job. 
He gets to do what he wants. He's naming the animals. He's bringing order to God's creation. He can go on vacation when he wants to. He can go to the beach. He can go to the mountains. He's got everything he needs. He can turn the channel. He gets to hold the remote all the time. Like It seems like everything, he's got everything that he needs. But, but God says, no, man, man, this is not good. This is not the way it should be. There's something about you that is incomplete. And so Adam is going to face this danger of being lonely, being isolated. You know, Mother Teresa said this. She said, the worst disease in today's world is not leprosy or cancer. And that's pretty difficult. It is the feeling of being uncared for, unwanted, of being deserted and alone. Because we're wired to not be lonely, to not be on our own. This is why some of our favorite TV shows and movies are about friends who get together. Some of you older folks in the room, cheers. Remember that? Anybody? You want to be where everybody knows your name. We know this. Uh, the show Friends, just about these, you know, these uh, guys and girls that get together and they you know, just do life together. Some of our favorite movies are about groups of people who forge a friendship. For instance, Fellowship, um, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, one of the great movies of all time. Harry Potter, some friends to get together to accomplish the mission. We, we know this intuitively. And so what the Bible says is that it wasn't good for him to be alone. First thing that's not good, everything else was good, that's not good. I will create a helper that's suitable for him. Now, helper in this context is not the fact that it's someone who's like second rate that can come along and help. Actually, the word helper in the Bible is also used for God. And so the implication is not the person who's going to come along and help Adam, but the void that's in Adam's life. So what this is saying is that Adam is unfinished. You should write that down. Adam is unfinished, just like us. Like, don't you know that your life and my life is about God transforming us? It's about God changing us. It's about God rubbing off the rough edges. It's about him sanding us down. It's about him learning us. It's about us stepping into the calling that he has on our life. It's about our lives looking more like Jesus. Listen, we are all unfinished. And you will always be a lesser version of you when it's just you. You will always be a lesser version of you when it's only you, when it's only you, you'll be a lesser. You'll never be as smart as you could be. You won't be as happy as you should be. You won't be as confident as you should be. You won't be as purpose, purposeful as you should be. You won't be as rich as you should be. You won't be as healthy as you should be when it's just you. Let me point out a couple other verses in the Bible that kind of speak to this, this idea of friendship. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, it says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. It, 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 kind of my version of that is a good friend, a true friend will stab you in the front. You know what I'm talking about? They won't stab you in the back. Like they'll tell you when you've got some blind spots. They'll point out how maybe you talk to your spouse in a, in a difficult way. They'll, they'll bring some, some clarity around you keep, the reason why you keep going from job to job. They'll, they'll help bring you and make you better. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So we need people in our lives that will point out the blind spots. Otherwise, we will always be a lesser version of ourselves. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If any of them falls down, one can help the other one up, but pity anyone who falls and has nobody to help them up. Like, have you ever experienced someone just coming alongside to kind of help you up, just kind of encourage you? Maybe you were sick or down or something was going on in your life and someone just came along and kind of picked you up. 
Let me tell a story about my mom this week. You know, my mom had surgery a couple of weeks ago and then uh, didn't go well. She had another surgery and she was in pretty bad shape. So when I got out, out of church last Sunday, um, I, there was... I, there was a text message that she had some other complications and I'm like, I got to get over there. Right. And so, um, I get my truck Monday and I drive over there. And so as you know, many of you know that hospitals that right now visiting hours are restricted for obvious reasons. I've talked to many of you throughout the week and you know how this goes, but visiting hours for us were from three to seven. So I get there and I go and see her and she's struggling. She's doing okay, but she's kind of back and forth Tuesday. Same thing. My mom's is a struggling and man, when your mom's not good, life's just not good. Amen. Somebody like, it's just not good. And so Wednesday morning, she, she, she's got a tube in her throat, so she can't talk really well. And she, she texts me and she's on some pretty significant painkillers. Hello. And so she can't text too clearly. But when she texted me, she said, I, they just, they're going to give me two units of blood. Like what? That does not sound like a good sign. You know what I'm saying? So I decided that even though it wasn't three o'clock for visiting hours, I was going to visit my mom's. And so I made my, I made my way into the, I made my way into the room and the nurse comes in and she says, sir, visiting hours at three. I'm like, Hey, here's the deal. I'm from Atlanta. And I just got to check on her. She couldn't talk and those kind of things. And she said, okay, that's fine. And so then she kind of left the room and I walk over. My mom wakes up and I'm holding my mom's hand. And guess who shows up at the door to my mom's room, the security guard to escort your pastor out of the hospital. <laughs> And so, but with that, like, while that wasn't probably, uh, I didn't care, but, uh, and, and thank you, Boone, for escorting me out and being so nice. Um, that was a security guard who helped me. He was really big and strong. And so, <laughs> and all that to say with that, it made me realize we got to get somebody in the room. And so we went and had, a, and had a conversation with someone who could help and had some authority. And so we were able to get more visiting hours. We could get in in the morning and stay through the evening to help my mom out. And so this is what my mom, I'll tell you that long story, just to say this, this is, this is what my mom said. I can't tell you how good it is for someone to be here. It makes all the difference in the world. Makes all the difference in the world. Within 24 hours, the, her NG tube was out and hopefully she'll be in rehab tomorrow. She's got a long way to go. But listen, there's something about being with people that makes you better. If you're a healthcare professional, you know this. And I hope that I hope that I hope when they do the after action report on COVID, that they're able to determine how many people died just from COVID and how many people died with COVID because they were lonely. Because they had nobody to be with them, to care for them. And so this is part of what it means to be human is that we need other people to help us and make us better. Ecclesiastes chapter four. Next one, Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. This is where you get this idea that you are the average of the top five people you hang out with. That's, that's what a lot of statistics and sociologists say. You're the average of the top five people that you hang out with. So listen, if you want to be more rich and have more money, you should hang out with rich people is what this means, right? No? Okay. <laughs> if you want to be smarter, hang out with people who are smart. If you want to have more discipline, hang out with people who have discipline. If you want to be wise, hang out with people who are wise. And I wonder if we were really intentional about the people we hung out with. If we evaluated our character, if we evaluated our finances, if we evaluated our lives and we looked at other people and said, that's the kind of life I want, I'm going to hang out with them. That's what uh, Solomon's writing here in the Proverbs. The wise hang out with wise people. And then finally, it says this, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. 
Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. In other words, and your dog is not going to make you a better person. Your cat is going to send you straight to hell. Like you, <laughs> that's not the way this works. And I have two dogs, love my dogs, okay? People are what's going to help you. People are who are going to sharpen you. People are who are going to elevate your life. This is what's going to happen. And we have to be intentional. Now, now, God, why did he wait? Why did he wait to create Eve for Adam? Like, why did he let Adam be alone and isolated and deserted? It's a question we should ask. Like, why did it happen that way if it wasn't good? And I believe, and many scholars believe, that the reason he did that was just to heighten in Adam's mind the importance of other people in your life. He wanted to crystallize for Adam to remind him that when you were alone, remember, it wasn't as good as when you were not alone. And for us, we are so independent. Man, we forget that we need people. Listen, it's already prevalent in our culture. COVID just solidified it for us, didn't it? Like to, to call it social distancing is so, so unfortunate because it should be physical distancing. Now, I know that for many of us, we've learned to hate Zoom. Come on, somebody. <laughs> been on Zoom calls and what, whatever your platform is. But there has been some good to it. At least we could not be socially distant if we're just physically distant. We're so independent. We can get packages delivered to our house. We can order anything we want online. We can work from home. Now we can go to school from home and we don't have to be around people. To the detriment of our own souls, to the detriment of our own souls, we got to remember, we got to fight for this because it's not easy. And I think he's trying to remind Adam of that and just be sure he carries that with him. Don't don't you know that relationships are hard? Don't you know that people are stupid? I mean, people are hard to deal with. (laughs) People like me. Right? Don't you know that it's difficult? Don't you know it takes time? Don't you know it takes energy? Don't you know it takes money for relationships? But I have to believe that when we get to heaven and God says, hey, tell me about, tell me about that biblical community you were in and how people helped you and you helped people. Tell me about that. And I'm to say, well, you know what, God, there was that soccer practice. I couldn't make it. God, you know, it was a long way to drive. I couldn't get there. This is why we have to fight for it. This is why we have fight week coming up next week. This is wise because we want to create multiple opportunities for people to get up, get connected, be understood, and to know other people. So many people have maybe not long periods of loneliness, but there's certain periods of loneliness. Like if you're a mom here and you've got young kids, you feel a little lonely. You know what you want? Adult conversation, don't you? And I can remember when my wife had small kids and I didn't understand that. I'm like, you're living the dream. You wanted to be a mom your whole life and you're married to me. Like what else do you want? She wanted a lot more out of life. That's what she wanted. I know guys that you, mean, you, you get to work and you're trying to do your job and you want everybody to think you got it together and that you got what it takes. And you can come through and you want to be the go-to guy. But inside there's this insecurity that keeps whispering, you ain't got it. You're not going to make it. And we need people to help us. Now, now, as the story keeps going on in Genesis, we know he says he's going to make a helper that's fit for him, one that can help him, one that can come alongside and support him and fill in the gaps. Then it goes on in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. It kind of ends that section after he creates Eve. It says, after God creates Eve, it says, The man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. 
So we have Adam and we have Eve. And obviously when we see this idea of being naked, there's more to it than just not having any clothes. I mean, did they, like, does it mean that they worked out a lot and had a low percentage of body fat and so they weren't ashamed? That's not what this is about. It's not a fashion statement. It's a social statement. And what it means is that there, there was no barriers between them. There was no secrets that they kept from each other. And there was no this deep regret of wondering what somebody else is going to find out about me or wondering if someone's going to look at me judgmentally or wondering if somebody's going to criticize me. They didn't have that because they knew each other. They knew each other. And there's this desire in all of us to be known. Let me say it this way. There's a desire in all of us just to be understood. For somebody to get me. For somebody to know what I'm thinking. You know, this idea of being known. Hey, let's just get together and be known. That feels a little creepy, doesn't it? But, hey, I just want you to understand me. I want you to know where I'm coming from. That's what this means. And we all need it. Adam and Eve had it perfectly. Because it says here that they were naked, they understood each other, and there was no shame. This is the only time in the Bible that those two words are put together. Naked and not ashamed. Because this is before sin happened. This was when you could live fully, authentically, transparently with other people. This is why. And then sin, of course, enters the world. And then we know that everything went down the tubes. Now write this question down. Who knows you? Who knows you? Like who knows your dreams? Who knows your great fear? Man, who knows your insecurities? Who knows what you laugh at? Who knows when you're stressed out? Who knows when you're anxious? Who knows what you're thinking? Now, now, if you're married in the room, hopefully you were able to write down your spouse. If not, that's clearly an area for you to work on. But let me ask you this. If you wrote your spouse down, now write down one other person. One other person who's not in your family. One other person that's just around you, that knows you and kind of gets you, understands you, cares about you, laughs with you, cries with you. Like if you got a job promotion, who you calling after you call your family? You find out your, your wife or, or you're pregnant, who are you calling to celebrate besides family? Who knows you? Now, as the story continues, um, we know that uh, the word for friend in the Bible, um, one of the words for friends means, means face-to-face. Like if you want someone to know you, if we're created to be in a relationship, we're created to be known, this idea is face-to-face. Friendship is an idea that's face-to-face. Now, now, God, men and women experience face-to-face relationships differently, don't we? Somebody say amen right there. <laughs> like we know this. So, so guys, like if, if we want to kind of have some relationship, we're not just going to immediately get together and say, hey, I would love to have some quality time with you. Let, let's have some coffee and just talk. Now, now, if that ever happens, there's this unwritten guy rule. You shoot him and bury him and don't let anybody find the body, right? Like that's not how we do it. We're shoulder to shoulder, man. We we want to... We wanna, blow things up. We want to build a fire. We want to just stare at the fire. I still don't know what that's about, but we just want to sit around a fire and stare at it. We want to, we want to build things together, man. We want to do a mission together. We want to do things together. It's how guys operate. It's how we're wired. Now, ladies, you're completely different, aren't you? Like my wife will say, Hey, I need some girl time. I'm like, cool. What are y'all, what are y'all going to do? Well, we're going to have coffee. Well, what, what are you going to do when you have coffee? Well, we're going to talk. I'm like, talk about what? Well, I don't know yet. I'm like, how long is this going to take? Could take a long time. I'm like, what horrible sin did you commit to have to get subjected to that? You know, it's just different. We do things differently. We relate differently. But there comes a point where, man, we're face to face. This is the language of friendship in the Bible. It's face to face. 
You know, another word for friend originates from the word where we get our word secret from, where we get our word secret from. So the things about a secret is like you can share your secret with somebody, trust them, have interaction over it, or you can hide something from somebody, and that's your secret. And as we look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, we see this happens, that Adam and Eve at this point had sinned. And you may remember the story, let me just remind you, that Adam and Eve, there was this tree in the garden that they were not supposed to touch, they were not supposed to eat from. And so Adam and Eve ate from that tree, both of them, and they sinned. And in that moment, relationship with God was broken. And they knew it. They knew it. They knew they'd done something they weren't supposed to do. They knew that something had happened that wasn't supposed to happen. And verse 7 says this. It says, the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. In other words, that, uh, they, in other words they knew that they'd been exposed. And it says that they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So they covered themselves up because they knew something had happened. And then God comes looking for them in the garden. And they, but they were hiding. And it says in verse 10, it says, I heard the sound of, Adam's responding to God. It says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And I hid myself. Now notice this. Can't miss this. Don't miss this. Adam doesn't say, I was afraid because of ate of the tree, of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. Like, I, I, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I was afraid for what I did. He said, I was afraid because of who I am. And there's a big difference. Man, man the greatest fears we have are fears about people understanding us and not liking us, not loving us. Our greatest fear is, is us being known and not loved. Known and not accepted. Known and rejected. Because when that happens, we're lonely. We're lonely. And so what we see Adam and Eve do is they cover themselves up. And, and, and we, we do this emotionally. We, we wear masks, don't we? You know, when you meet someone, what you, for the first time, generally what you're meeting is an elaborate fig leaf that they're hiding behind. Like, like I think we all now know exactly how difficult it is to wear a mask. Amen, right there. Like, when you're talking to somebody and they have a mask on, you have no idea what's happening behind that mask. Are they smiling at you? Are they laughing at you? Are they, you can't understand them as well because you can't see what's happening on their face. It just makes communication difficult. Hey, and this is the same in life. Like when we meet someone, sometimes we hide behind our personality. If things are difficult or I don't want you to know something, we can tell a joke. We can be really loud. We can withdraw and hide. We can be judgmental. And we do all this to hide our insecurity. That's what it's about. So let me ask you this question. This question. What mask do you wear? Write that down. Like, what's your go-to in times of stress? What's your mask? Is it humor? Is it your personality? Is it your achievements and you're going to go really big and people are going to look at you as being really successful? Is it your kids? You kind of hide behind your kids and their activity and you get your worth from them only because you don't feel like you got what it takes and there's something internally about you that's deficient? You know, for most ladies, you're, you feel this pressure to be perfect, don't you? perfect mom, the perfect employee, the perfect boss, the perfect wife, the perfect girlfriend, the perfect fiance. There's this pressure that you feel. And when you don't feel like you can be that, what do you do? You put your mask on. 
You know, for guys, there's this, this, uh, this question that we have, like, do I have what it takes? Can I come through? Will I be able to make it? Will I be able to do the things that I should be able to do? And when we don't think we can make it, man, we'll hide. We'll hide behind masks of resignation. We'll hide behind masks of success. We'll hide behind masks of look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Now, we are created to be in friendship with each other. Man, and it's not something that we can avoid. You know, us not living in friendship with people will be kind of like saying, you know what, I don't need water. I don't need water today. Ah, you know what, I don't ever need to eat again. You know what, I don't ever need to sleep again. Like we all recognize that those are basic biological functions of our life. And the way God has created us is that friendship is a basic function of how we're to operate. If we're going to thrive and flourish in life, so much so, that Jesus came to be with us. So much so that God wanted to show us what it was like. So much so that Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse 15. He said that, he, he's talking to his disciples. He said, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you, let's say this word together, friends. I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. I've made known to you. There's this language of knowing. You see, Jesus didn't come and just keep a lot of secrets. Jesus let everything about who he was be known to people. Man, he unfolded his life for the good of other people. People knew who he was, that God loved us so much and wanted us to be in relationship with him so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to come and to bridge the gap that we created that happened when Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning in the fall in the garden. That we have a, a, our following, our belief system is not that God is high up somewhere telling us what to do, but we just have to work it out and hope we get there in the end. But that God came and called his friend. And, and he's still holy, he's still other, he's still perfect, he's still glorious, he is still you know, beyond uh, measure, he's still worthy of all reverence. God is still that, but, but there's something about him that I mean, he called his friends. And when we have Jesus as a friend, listen, loneliness is always kept at bay. Man, when Jesus is with us, we don't have to worry about being on our own. We don't have to worry about being misunderstood. We don't have to worry about being isolated. We don't have to ever worry about being deserted. You know, God said this, I will never leave you or forsake you. This is the promise of the gospel that God came to be with us, to be someone we could call friend. Like, I wonder for you, do you know that? Like, have you experienced that, that God wants to be your friend today? That, that even in the midst of the things that you've done wrong, you're more concerned about who you are than what you've done. And you feel like God's judging you because you're deficient, because you're defective, because, because you're ugly, because you're any of these other words that you would fill in. Like, what is it? What would it look like for God to be your friend? You know, the Bible's pretty clear on that. For those of us who decide to follow him, we can call him friend. We can call him friend. And maybe that's you today. Maybe that is you today. Let's pray together. So in these moments, as we just take a moment just to pray together, you know, for you, maybe you've never taken that step to understand Jesus as a friend. You've, you've understood God just to be someone way out there doing his thing, expecting me just to kind of figure it out while I'm all alone. But God doesn't want you to be alone. He doesn't want you to be lonely. He wants to be with you. And the way that we experience that is just make a commitment of our heart to follow him, to believe that he came to bridge the gap between you and God. 
And I'm just going to lead you in a, in a very simple prayer. It's just a prayer of commitment for your heart, but it's life-changing. It's powerful. Dear God, I choose to follow you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Grant me a new life in Jesus' name. And you know, the Bible says that when you do that, you're a new creation. Old things have passed, new things have come. And because it's such an epic moment in our lives, because it's so transformational, we always like to mark the moment. And the way that we do that is just through, by raising our hand. So if that was you today, whether you're online or in the room, if you prayed and just wanted to begin this journey with Jesus, begin this friendship with Jesus, I'm gonna count to three. And I'm just gonna ask you just to raise your hand on the count of three. Very simply, one, two, three. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now for others, you may, you may be experiencing a season of loneliness and you may be around a lot of people, but you still feel lonely. And I just want to pray for you, but also challenge you today. And there are ways for you to fight for this and it is worth it. The big deal is your life. That's why this is a big deal. Hey God, just thanks that you came to be a friend of ours, that you came that we could know you, that we could walk with you, that you want to make yourself known to us to understand you, that you understand us. And God, I would pray for anybody, just listen to the sound of my voice today, that may feel lonely, isolated, deserted, left out, abandoned. God, that you would just speak into their lives today, that they could take some steps today to, to, to be cured of that, to be healed of that, God. And Lord, we're grateful that you put other people in our lives. There's other people in this church. There's other people in our families that we can relate to, that we can know and that can know us, that can help us and that we can help. And God, that our lives would live up to the purpose that you've created us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.